0: The Inside Vegas Podcast on the Sports Gaming Podcast Network is brought to you by MyBookie.ag. MyBookie.ag is the official online sportsbook of the Sports Gaming Podcast Network in the Inside Vegas Podcast. Visit MyBookie online today. That's MyBookie. And don't forget to use the promo code SGP100 when creating your account for up to a $1,000 bonus in free play. That's promo code SGP100. If you need a reload, enter promo code SGP50 for a 50% reload bonus. You're simple. You play, you win, you get paid. We're also brought to you by Odd Shark. Get free picks from the Super computer and expert writing staff as well as data-driven editorial content that you cannot and will not find anywhere else. Follow them on Twitter at OddShock and check them out online at www.oddshark.com. Finally, we're brought to you by BetQL. BetQL is the only mobile app that gives you the best chance to beat Vegas, and now NFL lines are available on the app. The best PR is BetQL is free to download on your Apple or Android device. Head to betql.co to download the only app you need to make smarter bets. BetQL is brought to you by the makers of RotoQL, the leading daily fantasy optimizer trusted by over 100,000 DFS players. Again, that is the BetQL app, and go to betql.co to download the only app you need to outsmart Vegas today. Welcome into the Inside Vegas Podcast. Today is Friday, October 19th. Great week in sports as the Red Sox clinch the yet another World Series berth as we look forward to a Game 6 and Game 7, uh, possibly with L.A. and Milwaukee. Um, with the MLB season wrapping up, we are still just about halfway done. I can't believe it's halfway already with the NFL and NCAA season. For this week's episode of our different handicapper podcast, um, you know, kind of detailing different handicapping styles. We're building on the modeling, uh, theme here. If you enjoyed the episode with the white whale, uh, this one's going to kind of take that next level. Um, this, up, uh, this guest, um, I'm sure some of you guys have seen him um, on social media, probably one of the most rapid risers uh, out there to be for lack of a better term. Um, guys absolutely blown up, uh, with such amazing success. Um, you know, building on um, the modeling version of baseball, um, came from kind of the Joe Pita mold um, and trading bases um, and kind of expanded on that and, and built a model into next level. Has translated that into unbelievable success. I mean, talking over 60, 70% uh, in both NCAA and the National Football League. Um, you can find all of his work, of course, um, on his website, betitup.com, which provides free betting newsletters with basically the top five sides of the models. Everything um, that Barry Horse does uh, is pretty much free, um, which you know, speaking to what he has been able to accomplish, um, with such a, an amazing run of success is, is such a testament to him. So again, as always, you can find him on Twitter at Barry horse 29. So hope you guys enjoy the kind of the next level look, uh, for modeling handicapping in the NFL and NCAA, as well as we touch on baseball first, much the first half, um, the second half is all football and don't worry, we get you guys, uh, with a consensus best bet for myself and Barry horse. Hope you guys enjoy the pod. And now joining me on the Inside Vegas podcast is a guest that has been—I don't know if there's ever been more of a—a a quicker uprising in this little racket that we call social media and game, you know, "quote unquote" gambling, Twitter at this point, point. and that's Barry Horse. And if you guys enjoyed the podcast with the White Whale talking about modeling, uh, I feel like that we may <laughs> we may take this one to the next level. Um, you know, maybe since the days of the original inception of the "quote unquote" model with Joe Peter, which again I know that Barry kind of incorporates into his stuff. So I'm so excited to get into the, all of this stuff. Um, so let's start there, man, Barry welcome to the podcast and thank you so much for taking the time man. how how is everything in your world on this monday after an ncaa and nfl week <laughs> cp thanks for having me buddy
1: it's uh really good it's raining here I'm, I'm out in houston right now and it's raining for like the first time i've been here which is less than ideal but love and life everything's good
0: what how brought you? you out to houston
1: <laughs> um, this uh this baseball team out here is uh <laughs> One well, I'm I'm fairly invested in. Yep, and uh, I don't know. I uh, no wife, no kids, no like real job or office to go to. So Sounds I like you just, need to like, join me out in Vegas, around. brother. <laughs> yeah, I'll be out there. Funny, but uh, just felt like the uh, the most fun place to be right now. Go to some games and uh, watch the
0: team play. I got a bunch
1: of bunch of friends out in Texas too, so it's
0: nice to see them. Yeah, man, and again, people that have been kind of following me, listening along, know that Houston is kind of my adopted team after the Red Sox, after Altuve, and and um, ten to one on Houston last year. And again, um, you know, repeating is hard. So I guess we, let's start there as, as we kind of break this down, man. Um, so when it comes down to modeling, right, and so. Uh, this modeling has always kind of fascinated me because I think that in some worlds, you know, model-based handicappers, they kind of trust their eyes. They go back and forth. They use the model as a guide. And that's really where you can kind of get in trouble because one, it defeats the purpose. If the model tells you something, um, when you start picking and choosing, I think that that creates doubt. It creates, you know, infinite amount of holes in the model. Um, so, you know, talking to model-based handicappers always really fascinates me. So I guess we'll start there when it comes to your handicapping, kind of what led you to choose the path of, you know, creating a model. And again, I'm not, I'm not asking you to kind of give away You know, what makes your model um your model, but I want to know kind of you know what shows you that specific path in handicapping when it comes to model-based handicappings. I know uh Joe Peter was kind of an influence on you in in the trading base book, I think, is is absolutely probably day one um in handicapping school is something that you need to read if you want to kind of take this more seriously, especially in major league baseball. Um but what kind of led you down the path of modeling? Right. I
1: would say like honestly, instead of saying how I chose modeling as a way to sports bet. I really chose like sports betting as a way to use my modeling. Um, So I'm still young. I'm 23 years old. um, But my freshman year of college, when I was 18, I was working for an NBA analytics company called Second Spectrum, Mm -hmm. um, which at the time was really tiny, but has grown quite a bit lately. And uh, basically they're a company that works with all the tracking cameras in the roofs of all the arenas. Um, And so I was doing a lot of, Worked for them that whole year f- for my first year of college. Um, met a lot of really cool people and learned a ton. And that was sort of my intro to like machine learning, data science, some of these more um, deeper, newer subjects in data mining and computer science. And uh, I loved it. And like surprisingly for me, as uh, like a total sports junkie. Mm-hmm. Um, that nerd stuff, <laughs> quote-unquote nerd stuff, which is also like I've been a nerd my whole life too. But that was like more fun for me than watching all the basketball was like building some of these uh, predictive systems and writing some of the code and uh, working on the projects I worked on. And so basically, like, I don't remember the exact night, but it was just one random night in college. Uh, My roommates and I were watching just a disgusting amount of sports and we looked at each other like, wow, this is like, borderline sad Like <laughs> we should probably be doing something effective with how much sports we watch whether yeah. but even if we just start like a blog or any like do anything remotely productive with how much you are watching and uh for me it, it started to become obvious to me that I could use some of my technical skills and background in math and computer science to build different predictive models for sports betting mm-hmm. um and so that's sort of how I got into it I, I never really like thought of my job as being like a sports better like that's what I wanted to do I just I knew I love sports I knew I loved math and computer science and uh it was just kind of like a natural combo
0: yeah man there's so many good things to, to break into what you just said because I really you know there's there's videos out there and there's people that just hate their nine-to-five job right but they're such you know, they're avid sports fans and they hate you know they're not trying to make and, you know, monetize things or make, you know, be productive at what makes them happy. Um, and again, I mean, as you know, I've been doing this full-time in Vegas for a little over three years now, never been happier. And, and so for you, I, you know, to kind of go down that similar path that, that was the same thing for me, right? I started, I was doing, you know fantasy, um, fantasy football, fantasy baseball for these stupid, you know, hundred dollar work leagues, you know, all this type of stuff with my friends putting in, you know, 40 hours of this of research for, for zero payouts. And so yeah. we kind of have that same background and thinking, you know, how can we actually, you know, monetize this and do this? Um, so to hear that is absolutely awesome. So let's, um, let's kind of, you know, talk about this. So when, you know, being a numbers-based guy, right? And so, obviously, you have eyes and you watch sports. As an avid sports fan, mm-hmm. I've asked this question to every model handicapper and everyone is different, so I'm so excited to hear your answer. Is basically, what do you do when, essentially, your model says one thing, um, but either your gut or your eyes or whatever the case may be um, says another? Um, just because, again, as I touched on, it can kind of get you in a lot of trouble when you start, you know, the model is there for a reason, to be kind of, you know, to be right. the end-all, be-all, uh, but yet, you know, when you, you know, it's something is disgusting, you know, the bills two weeks ago or the Jets and things that you just look at. And you're like, Oh my God, I can't believe I do this. And again, I know professional <laughs> betters out here. And, and the number one thing that, you know, them or I will tell you is, yeah, you know, when you do this professionally, you're going to, um, be on the side of a lot of gross teams very, uh, early and very often. Um, right. so what do you do when kind of your eyes and, and that type of thing says one thing, but your model absolutely says another. Um, and again, we kind of tie this back into starting with the baseball season. Cause I know there's two teams <laughs> you're probably going to want to bring up with that
1: <laughs> for sure. Uh, 999 times out of a thousand, I just blindly follow the model. So like, that's why I'm working thousands, not thousands, but like thousands, hundreds of hours of programming and work in between the seasons to like build this thing that I'm investing in, right? Like I have put all this work, I've backtested it and I, at the start of the season and making the decision, I am planning the trade that I'm going to follow this system and this model basically blindly. Yep. And so now that I've planned that trade, all I have to do is trade that plan. So there's not like a ton that goes into it. And In baseball, the two teams you alluded to, uh, which was Kansas City and Baltimore, the model, like all of us are all greedy for sure. Like, so the model would have won. Of course. And then uh, like really good, even if I just blindly bet on those two teams, whenever Ted said to as well. Um, but I have like certain things that I can see and look at and because I'm the one who built the model i know certain things that may overlook yep. um and so both of those teams i thought had such an insane lack of talent yep. um, and, and and this is all actually it's still numbers based it's just not like some gut call that I just pull out of my ass that like these teams sucks so I'm not doing on them or like
0: some intangible thing or oh, wow, it's like the Browns are... in the NFL from two years ago yeah. when, when the market says, you know, again, the value guys kind of got killed taking them every week because the market yeah. just didn't catch up, uh, to how bad they were, you know? And so when they, their, their old school power numbers said, you know, there was three, four or five points of value here. It still wasn't enough until the market kind of caught, actually the market didn't catch up, um, until maybe this year of how, you know, how bad they were. So that makes a total amount of, you know total sense for your model to kind of do that in certain ways.
1: Right. And like like the worst team in baseball usually every year is around a 400 team maybe a little worse but Baltimore was sub 300 this year and <laughs> it, I, I honestly the model actually like it projects win totals too and super powerful in futures and I was on like Baltimore unders like the model was still very anti Baltimore I just believed it wasn't anti enough and I just believed that this team truly had like because the way the model works is like looking for maybe teams that get unlucky or lucky in certain situations with how different players are sequenced, and uh, when it, that that works, when you assume like there's some level of like at least league average play on the team, but <laughs> these teams just have so such a small number of average or better players on their teams that it, it's unfair to put like the same amount of expectations on them. Um, and so, I would never expect my model to project a team to go to ninety for an entire mm-hmm. 162 game season. Yep. Um, and but with like different numbers i look at wrc plus a bunch of saver metrics like it was clear to me that baltimore had a chance to do that and that i was willing to accept the risk of potentially not winning the games instead of bet on them by avoiding the losses that would come with them too and uh with with both teams that the uh if i had bet on them based on the model both would have lost money uh, a good amount actually and so that saved a little bit of money just just skipping over those two
0: Yeah, for sure. So I guess we'll, we'll talk about this now. Cause as I said, um, in the beginning, I don't think there's anyone that kind of, um, you know, rose up quicker when it comes to, um, you know, social media (laughs) and gambling Twitter. And I really want to kind of talk about that because there's so much to dive into. And again, the aim of this podcast, you know, to, to bring people inside Vegas for one, but to look at how social media has changed the game, um, is kind of the other one. And I think you're, you know, an absolutely shining example of that. So I really want to talk about this because number one, I think that, uh, well, let's just do this. Let's start with your background and kind of what led you to um creating the Barry Horse account, you know brand all that type of stuff and kind of how you got started on social media, and then we'll break that down kind of step by step.
1: Sure. Um, I was sharing my baseball model this year just with like high school and college buddies. yep. And uh, for anyone that is aware of me or like follow me during the season, it's it's just this really like <laughs> pretty um, not easy to use Google spreadsheet that uh, is it's also like not really helpful for someone who's working a normal nine to five and can't watch line moves all day and like right. pay attention to when lineups come out. And so some of my buddies are saying, damn, I missed that play today. Cause I was like busy at work or something. I said, Oh you have a good idea. Maybe I can text you guys. Or maybe then one of them brought up like the idea of just, just make like a, some Twitter, we can follow you. And then we'll turn on push notifications. Um, I said, Oh yeah, whatever. I'll do that. And, uh, this was in May. So like it, it May 20th, I think. Like it's still less than five months ago. Yep. And uh, I said, all right, well, might as well. Like if I'm going to make this, like, I probably will not be like too bad of an idea to just like kind of share what I've been doing. Um, here's this tool. You can follow me. So I posted on the uh, the Reddit for Sportsbook, whatever, mm-hmm. the subreddit, and um, just said like, hey, here's what I've been working on. For some of my buddies, I'm going to be tweeting out plays. like. Is how it works. If you want to follow, you can follow. And uh, yeah, it, it won a lot and now a bunch of people follow. <laughs>
0: yeah. So, I mean, was Joe Pita, you know, I touched on this again, was that kind of an inspiration to you and kind of building upon that? Was that kind of the basis for the the model's inception? Um, or was it just, you know, applying the principles of modeling that he kind of brought up, but everything else was kind of on your own?
1: For sure. Yeah. The pricing is all based, like it, it and I've spoken to him since, like it's, it's, uh, <laughs> Pretty Much just straight up plagiarism. Yeah. I'm not like I'm ashamed to admit that. Like, um, he's a, he's a really cool guy, definitely one of my like mentors. And, um, like the pricing schema of like calculating a win percentage for some team and pricing against another is, uh, definitely just like the true mathematical way to do this. Mm. Um, and then some of the different like projection models and, um, like I guess the inputs to that data is like a way more complex, overarching, um, higher level, like machine learning pure, like model, I guess. Um, and so that's, that's sort of what I have made public. Um, I do a lot of other stuff that's like more completely on my own with other sports, uh, where I don't really have, like, I wouldn't say it was like based on anything. Mm -hmm. Um, but yeah, for sure. Baseball definitely trading bases. I can't recommend enough. And, uh,
0: yeah. I'd second that. That book is, is absolutely out of this world. So let's talk about kind of specifics. And again, you guys, we're going we're to get to college football. We're going to get to NFL. But I think that, you know, with go, doing how well you did in baseball, it deserves a little bit, you know, a, a lot of airtime here. Um, so again, it's a little bit weird that you're, the, it's a definition of value, right? Because as I followed you this season, I mean, I would say what, 90% of your uh, plays were on underdogs and not just slight underdogs, um, huge underdogs. Mm-hmm. And so baseball is very weird, right? It's a game that's built on variance. It's a game that's built on randomness. That's what makes baseball baseball. The worst team in the league against the best team in the league, in a a four or three game series, the worst team is still probably going to win one again, maybe unless you're Baltimore or Kansas city. But with that being said, um, was that just, you know, again, there's baseball is weird, right? Because there, there's no value in a losing ticket, right? It's either a winner or loss again. And I know you can, you can mess around with run lines, all that type of stuff like that. Um, but what kind of led you to, to, you know, find yourself playing so many high underdog, um, positions and not only that, but hitting them at, you know, an absolutely incredible, uh, rate. Math
1: yeah <laughs> yeah. I, so like basically um and like not to correct you but just just to be accurate probably and not that it matters either but it's probably closer to maybe like 75 yep. percent just for like no keeping for how much we're on drugs um i think like a general high level thesis for why this happens is just there's 27 outs in a baseball game for each team and most teams have like at least average players. Um, to the point where so, and like so much can change like we're, we're swinging a piece of wood at a little ball that's like spinning really fast like it's an unbelievably hard thing to do yep. and so much is random and so much can change and happen that for there to be a really like long favorite price on the team you need to be really damn certain that they're that much better at literally everything mm-hmm. and so I guess like the general thesis is like all of this is such a crapshoot that if there's some like way overinflated line on some team because of maybe some factor that doesn't really matter when like the underlying numbers say the game yeah they should be favored but it's it's closer to like a toss-up honestly then there's a lot of value on betting the underdog and so like that's like the definition of value like i bet on a lot of teams that i literally don't Expect to win.
0: Yep, but that's, that's I what I wanted to, win to more dig than into. line
1: expects them to win.
0: Yeah, that's what I wanted to dig into when I talk about value, right? Because when you do this type of underdog betting and that type of stuff, it's. Um, you know, more than just, you know, being sick that you have to place this type of bet, but you're placing bets when you're not necessarily expecting them to win and to kind of get over that hump, I think is, you know, that thought process is, is really hard for, um, you know, new recreational bettors to kind of understand. Um, can you just expand about, expand out a little bit on that again? I know you just kind of did talk about how the variance in in how baseball is so random, but just kind of that thought process and stuff.
1: Yeah, for sure. Like I, I would bet on team, like I bet on teams this year that I gave like a 30% chance of winning the game. But if the Vegas line is giving them a line that translates to expecting them to win 20% of the time, then if you, if that game was played a thousand times and you always bet on the underdog, even though you'd only win 30% of the time, you'd come out making money. Yeah. And so, um, baseball is by far the best sport for this because you have such a long season with such a large sample of games to, um, have like reap the rewards from like using this strategy of finding value over and over and over again
0: yeah baseball um, is such a a long game it's such a stock market totally. and, and and the way yeah. that you know i handicap games in, in baseball is um it's different but it's similar to you and the way that i do it is i basically bet you know people you know some trends are absolutely useless i agree with that and some are, are very very relevant the thing is is though you'll see somebody post a trend right and That, you know, of course, inevitably, when somebody posts it, that particular trend loses that game, and then people forget that that trend exists, they just got burnt, they never want to bet it again. So I bet the same, you know, I eliminate as much variance as I can, betting pretty much just the first five market um and then i bet these same pitchers either on or against a first five under or first five um money line run line perspective and so there's there's a little bit of similarities there but the point to drive home with baseball much different than football or really any other sport uh is that it's such a market-based you know long-term outlook you can't it it, it I, re- I really believe that it's so similar to walking into a stockbroker's office and if you want to bet baseball for a weekend and, and asking him to you know to make money in that weekend over 162 games out of those two to three is just, it's not really possible. So you have to have that kind of long-term outlook outlook on baseball. I
1: completely, completely agree with you there. Yeah. There's, you're not looking for locks of the week in baseball. You're not (laughs) looking for that anywhere, but especially baseball. Yeah,
0: for sure, man. So let's, um, let's talk about this and kind of one thing that I did notice that's just unique that I think deserves some, some talking about is uh, the structure of the model um, and kind of how you arrive at this because, you know, people may may look at this and think it's um, just a little bit different and kind of how you uh, quantify, you know, quote unquote unit size and things like that. And how do you kind of arrive at that? Again, talk about the baseball model when it was, you know, 8.45632 all, all the way to, you know, 14 point, whatever the case may be. Um, well, how does that kind of, you know, how do you kind of quantify your edge and kind of what leads you to those numbers of, you know, 9 to 14 unit in um, that type of structure?
1: Sure. So it's important to note that in football, I bet everything one flat unit um football is way more chaotic and there's a way smaller level of certainty in my pricing and evaluation of every team and every player and uh it's just a way more volatile sport and because of that to get overly cute with having differences of um how much you're betting on a game based on like your quote-unquote confidence on a game is i've found overly granular And if it's not, it's at least risky to the point that doing so could cause you to lose money than compared to if you just flat bet. But in baseball, A, like your model can be a lot better. Baseball is by far the most quote unquote modelable sport because every at bat is this isolated event where you have a lot of really defined outcomes and where you can like very fairly evaluate over a large sample who's who. So like, you're very confident usually in what a player's true talent level is as you are with a team. And so the accuracy and confidence in your accuracy of your baseball model is typically going to be a lot higher than any other sport. And so because of that, I feel safe scaling unit size based on the confidence in that. And like another reason to, to do this is like we were just talking about how long the season is. It's so long that you're going to be way more likely to reap the rewards of like risking more on um higher confidence plays because like if it was just a month long a lot of like the big disagreements are going to be things i talked about like teams i give a 45% chance to win but the market gives them like a 35 or like even a 30% chance to win and so like those are going to lose a ton and if you're in just a short sample then risking more on those even though like you're expecting them to lose, they have a a higher amount of edge. Mm -hmm. It's way more likely that that could kind of screw you, like getting overly cute by trying to dial it into that level. But because you have such a long season, it's worth it in my experience and in my back testing. And as I track this year in baseball, it's kind of worth it to get granular. And it makes sense to bet more on a game if you're more confident in it. And so, Basically, the way I did staking for baseball this year and and have done in the past is I only bet on games where my model disagrees with the market by more than five percent, and then I stake an amount that is proportional to, like literally equal to that percentage. And some people like doing buckets; like they'll bet if it's between five and ten percent, they'll bet two units. If it's between ten and fifteen, they'll bet three. If it's between fifteen and twenty, they'll bet four. Whatever it is. Mm -hmm. Um, But because you have such a large and long season, for me, it just makes sense to be like superly, super linearly, just exactly proportional. Like you can just dial in to be literally like you. You theoretically know what the edge is, or you have at least a way higher certainty in baseball than any other sport, and so you can bet that edge. Um, and so that's how I've done it. Uh, but there, there's legitimate arguments to different ways as well. Like at, at all of this is um, definitely just a trade-off between what your tolerance for risk is and like how much more you want to try to optimize growth with the trade-off of potentially screwing yourself. Um, Like everything's always a trade-off.
0: Completely. And so just to break this down, you know, if, if, um, To go a little bit less in the weeds and dumb this down a little bit. The the point that we're trying to make here is, you know, a 16, 17 week NFL season is not a large sample size. Despite the fact that it's a whole season, um, that's that, you know, and baseball at 162 is just so much more of a sample size. So, yes, you know, if you uh, attach or, um, you know, buy or quote unquote sell teams in the NFL over, you know, 16 games, as we've seen, um, you know, the market will eventually correct itself. It may take two to three to four years, but you know, professionals were ahead of the Jacksonville Jaguars, whatever it was three, four years ago, betting them every single week, getting absolutely killed the Cleveland Browns last week, last year. Um, and now they're kind of, you know, making some of that, that investment back. Just because the 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 season cutoff um, is, you know, 16 games, it doesn't necessarily, just because you think of it as a whole season, oh, that has to be a large enough sample size. It really doesn't, you know, happen that way. So it, it makes total sense. Um, and to bring this back around, again, talking about everything, all things modeling and social media, I want to really talk about this with you because I think it's um, one of the more important things and kind of the decision that you made um, uh, to basically share the, share the model uh, for free, despite endless amounts of social media trolls that come out during a losing week, month, (laughs) day, whatever the case may be. Um, and so I've, you know, I said this last week, um, when I was doing the mailback episode that, you know, when people said, you know, Oh, if you're so good, why don't you just bet more on your picks? Why do you sell your picks? Um, and my, my argument to that has always been when you really think about this, you're asking somebody, um, like yourself to, you know, spend 30, 40, 50, 60, whatever the case may be hours. Days, weeks, you know, sacrificing anything and everything that it takes to get an edge in this business. Um so to put, you know, let's just call it forty hours a week, um, you know, into this model, right? So daily, let's say four or five hours daily, not to mention film, all that type of stuff. Um, and they're asking to basically have it be handed to them for free. Um, and <laughs> so for people, you know, to have all the work done, uh, to reap those benefits, reap that reward for absolutely no work. Um, and then have the, the the gall to, you know, call, you know, call people scams, call people scumbag. Yeah. all this type of stuff. Um, you know, so what was kind of, or what is, I guess, as you continue to do so, I know you've kind of switched up things a little bit um, and making it, you know, a, a little bit, quote-unquote, more work for, for the average person to find this stuff. Um, but how, you know, how have you kind of seen that, you know, handle that, all that type of stuff, and led you ultimately to the decision to keep sharing all this type of stuff for free?
1: Um, I guess because my reasoning for sharing, sharing it was, like, Literally, just like I I put in the work, and uh, like those hours a week during the season, that it's not really that much. Like I, by hand, I have been like following the lines, and that's what I did during the season. But even next year, like that's going to be easier. Like I, um, I've built a tool that a script that just kind of tracks lines and notifies me when something reaches reaches a point of value. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, yeah, I guess like my whole motivation. Was a like I I didn't even really have one. (laughs) Like like I said, I was just I was sharing it with my buddies, so I thought might as well like post this to see if anyone else finds it helpful. Since then, it's kind of evolved into like, um, I was never really involved in social media or saw any of like a lot of the bullshit that's spewed on here. Yeah, and so I think there's a space for me to, if you want to call it like quote unquote myth bust or just like explain like a lot of things that people get wrong here. I think there's a space for me to do like a little bit of educational stuff there. Um, and so I'm happy to share if if my model like A, it's it's damn cool getting the messages about like people right. I've helped out like in life and with money and everything. But B, more importantly to me, if I've like educated someone or inspired them to like think about the way they do this differently, or even inspire them to like build their own model, then that's that's really cool. Um, and something I'll keep doing. So yeah, uh, to the point about trolls. Uh, not, I mean, I never even had any social media before this, which is like super funny for all my friends. That of all of us, I'm the one like doing stuff on social media now. Um, so like the first month or two, it was pretty weird to me. I was like, oh, okay, this is strange. Um, and I like thought twice about like continuing doing it, but like by now, I've learned just if they're really weird, block them and move on. I don't really pay any attention to them
0: completely agree, man. And again, I just think it's it's very interesting to hear different people's answers when it comes to that, because uh, let's call a spade a spade. There's just so much negativity um, out there. And again, somebody like you that came along, you know, you had a, whatever it was, three, four months, you know, clearing an unbelievable profit. Uh, the model struggled for uh, maybe it was even like two to three weeks. Um, and all of a sudden, you um, people's perception completely change. Um, and so it's just, it's so weird to see how people not weird, but it's just, it's so incredible to see the dynamic of social media because everyone has a voice, right. And it's, it's the vocal minority that kind of gets seen and and that type of stuff. And so it's just, it's so interesting to me to see kind of, you know, people's thought processes, um, on that type of stuff. And so when you've, you know, one thing you have done undoubtedly by, by doing this and anyone has this advantage, you know, when they do post everything for, you know, quote, unquote free is you have the ability to, to build your brand unbiased, right? You can post absolutely everything. Um, and that's kind of you know, how you build that brand. And you've done a couple of things that to kind of parlay that out, right? You've um, created the Sports Thoughts Podcast um, with Jerry, who I really want to talk about next. I think it's it's kind of a unique thing to see uh, two people, you know, um, that have been friends and kind of do this thing so long um, together as well as the weekly newsletter, um, on beditup.com. So I wanted to kind of talk about all those things, but let's start with, um, Jerry, Jerry Fang. And is someone that's really been kind of with you from the start of this, uh, of the social media inception. Um, was you guys kind of friends all along or kind of what was the backstory and relationship of kind of the, um, you know, it's not really a partnership, I don't want to say, but just kind of, you know, having, um, you kind of built the website together, all that type of stuff, the podcast uh, together with Jerry, kind of how, how that relationship started and all that type of stuff to lead it to where it is right now.
1: Yeah. So Jerry and I were roommates in college. Uh, I've known him for years and we kind of like, even in college we just kind of gone back and forth about doing something kind of similar to this. And, um, yeah, basically like he saw me starting to do this stuff, uh, on Twitter and Reddit with the baseball and saw like kind of an audience grow and one random day, Pretty sure this is in like June or July, so again, really recent. Maybe just like, um, hey, like people are starting to give a bleep about like what I have to say. Mm-hmm. Like, why why don't we uh, just start something where we literally just talk about sports and we give our thoughts you on can sports? Swear by the way. way, you don't have to say bleep; you can say <laughs> give a say. shit <laughs> for sure. Um, so, yeah, like it, the podcast is literally just us shooting the shit because we watch a ton of sports. As mathematically inclined as I am, and as like nerdy as I may come across sometimes, like at my core, I still am totally a sports fan and like watch everything. And um, I think there's like helpful perspectives that each of us can give on sports. And so, yeah, we have that podcast. We usually do two a week where we just cover games, talk about things we see, maybe like a high level topic about. Um, like kind of that myth busting thing I was talking about, like talking about things that people get wrong a lot. Mm-hmm. Um, and then, yeah, then it up, like you mentioned is kind of on the other spectrum where I'm trying to be way more educational and sticking to sort of how modeling works for me going over some just really basic probability and statistics uh, I plan to like do a couple on like really basic programming for people who want to get into like scraping and scrubbing data. Um, and then like I'll, I'll basically until we got really busy with baseball playoffs, I was going through college football every week and kind of peeling back a layer at a time of how my model works without really giving away everything. Yeah. Um, so yeah, that's, that's the plan with that. Both of those are free. You're welcome to uh, check them out if they interest you at all.
0: So we're going to switch over to um, college football and the NFL and specifically this week to get to our consensus best bets and everything like that. But I really want to wrap this up, um, wrap baseball up with the stance that you've taken on the Houston Astros and kind of uh, what (laughs) – because, again, man, like I said, there's nobody that's a bigger Astro fan out there uh, than me last year. Um, And so, obviously, I had to kind of roll that over and do this again because I think this team is – this is very special, right? There's maybe not a closer-knit team. And, again, not to say that I'm in the locker room, but things that I've heard and and through Mm -hmm. being able to – Have the context relationships I've had, um, in Las Vegas and doing this full-time professionally, you know, this team is different, um, in in many different ways. And so, um, I just want to get kind of your thoughts and kind of what, you know, led you to, um, take the stance and the position that you, uh, have on this Houston Astros team, um, to win basically the world series and, and everything else that, um, that have sort of accompanied, accompanied that this postseason, um, with Houston and just kind of what the model led you to, um, you know, why the model led you there, or if it was more kind of yourself and what you've saw, because I think that the one downside to modeling is the intangibles can't really be quantified. Right. And so yeah, that type of stuff is a little definitely. bit different. So, um, just kind of what that relationship was like and kind of what led you to take the stance that you did, uh, for this year on the betting on the Houston Astros to win the world series.
1: All right, I'm going to push back a little on what you said about no one being a bigger fan last year with your ten to one, because I had quite a good amount on fourteen to one. Oh, so, you got uh, me beat, huh? I did, I brag. did,
0: <laughs> I did. Yeah, but you know what? I did have Altuve at eight to one, so I basically cashed eight, eighteen to one.
1: Um, yeah. So I uh, the model thinks they're by far the best team in baseball, and and I think that's the the thing is with all of these projection systems even if you disagree with like the way mine work, if you look at base runs, which is like one of the best team level sabermetrics, um, team rankings, Pythagorean expectation, like anything that's more <laughs> sophisticated or advanced than just like basic naive uh, win-loss record. Like if you look at baseball perspectives, baseball perspectives, they have first order win percentage, second, third, hit list factor, adjusted hitless factor. These are all like way more clever ways of, um, evaluating a team and all of them have the Astros, not just as the best, but far and away the best. Mm -hmm. Um, And then when you go into like different subsections, like they have the pitching, like this is the best strikeout pitching staff in history, like 140 plus year history of the sport. Um, The lineup is not just really talented, but extremely deep and possibly more importantly, extremely versatile. They, They have a lot of hitters who can hit a lot of different pitchers. And yeah, like you said, um, about models, sometimes missing things. The the reason I was particularly interested in the Astros this year and particularly confident in the edge is yes, my model had them favored and had some value on them, but I believe there's like overwhelming extra reasons to think that even the model is underrating them. Um, when you just watch the season. Uh like you, I was a big Astros fan last year. And so I watched a ton of their games this year, almost every one. And um it just (laughs) as dumb as it sounds watching through eyes, it just never really seemed other than like this three weeks stretch in May or June, they never really were clicking or gelling.
0: Yeah. And
1: to have all of the underlying stats, say even though they never played that well, they were still way better than everyone, which is really encouraging to me. Um yeah, so that's that's where I stand uh i can check right now i, I think i saw it around plus 190 earlier today i think even that there is like a pinch of value or, or at least close to break even
0: yeah so but the series price um let's go break this down astros minus 160 um on the series price after cole dropping from i think it was minus 240 um and then as we break down the world series at the Westgate right now they are yeah, I think it was plus one um World Series is Astros are yep, yeah, plus one sixty currently the same thing on mybookie.ag.
1: Okay. So nothing there left anymore. But um yeah, that like they were priced as like plus six hundred for most of the year, which I thought was absurd. Mm-hmm. Um and yeah, that there's a lot of reasons to like the team. But anyone who's following me on Twitter has probably already heard that and is sick and <laughs> sick and tired of me preaching about this team.
0: Uh, never get sick and tired of somebody preaching money, man. And again, you did something that I think was so smart and, you know, it was basic buy low, sell high. And, and you really nailed this to a T talking about how they were basically going to play 500 ball or below with Correa, Altuve, um, Springer. All those guys were out um, and the market, took a dip. And um, to be able to capitalize on that type of stuff is really what separates. Um, mm-hmm you know, being able to make significant amount of money, a significant amount of money and get ahead of the market, um, both long and short term. So props to you for for grabbing that up, man. Again, I, I think this I'm with you. Look, I, I was born in Boston, spent twenty seven years there. I was, you know, born and bred a Red Sox fan, but at the end of the day, when you do this full time, you you gotta kinda sell your soul here. Um at some <laughs> point. You know, thankfully with, with New England I've been able to kind of, you know, be able to be betting on them and, and enjoying them. Um but to me this this Houston team is really prime for something special as long as they can kind yeah. of keep it together. And, and I know salary and all that type of stuff, but this team is, I think the type of team that takes, you know, hometown discounts to stay together, all that type of stuff. So they, you know, the 162 game season is, is very long, but I just wanted to kind of your, what, what kind of led you to take that stance on and we're going to move over. Can I and, make one more
1: point? Of course. I think it is like a, a cool high level thing just to talk about with futures yeah. is when you're investing in a team over like a longer term like that, uh, I also additionally like to look at the actual franchise and organization, and like you're just saying, they are so well run. In 2018, it's shocking that this is possible, given how smart teams are now. But they still discernibly have such a large um, analytical advantage over all the other teams in how they're constructed as a roster. But even simple stuff like they shift almost an order of magnitude more than all the other teams. They, the way they manufacturer run for like run production and the way they create run prevention through like managerial decisions and strategical moves is like an organizational level thing that again i don't think my model sufficiently captures and like you said like they're totally first class in the way they do all of that and that's even just like another thing to consider in any sport is when you're paying on like a future for a team you should also at least partially consider how the team is actually run at like a high level because you're going to be on them for like several months theoretically so
0: yeah completely. sorry to cut you off no 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 i think again man as i said i want you to kind of talk about anything and everything that comes to mind is kind of um when it comes to modeling man so again please feel free to always interrupt me and bring that up um i want to yeah. is there anything else you kind of want to talk about um when it comes to baseball before we kind of flip the switch are you looking to kind of incorporate the model into any other sports college basketball nba um really anything and everything before we flip over to football
1: uh, all my models are totally different in nature. So if we want to move on to the other ones, let's let's finish baseball there.
0: Okay, cool, man. So we'll flip over to um, the NFL. And then, of course, we're going to get down with our consensus best bet. But before we do that, the... Sports Gambling Podcast Network and the Inside Vegas Podcast is brought to you by MyBookie.ag. MyBookie.ag is the official online sports book of the Sports Gambling Podcast Network and the Inside Vegas Podcast. If you are a new customer, enter promo code SGP100 for up to a thousand donors thousand dollar bonus in free play and if you need a reload SGP 50 50% reload bonus. We're also brought to you by Odd Shark. Get free picks from the supercomputer and expert writing staff as well as data driven editorial content that you cannot and will not find anywhere else. Follow them on Twitter at Odd Shark and check them out at oddshark.com and lastly we're brought to you by BetQL. BetQL is the only mobile app that gives you the best chance to beat Vegas and now NFL lines are available in the app. Easily track line movement, see which team the public is backing and as always go to betql.co to download the only app you need to outsmart vegas today there's from the makers of RotoQL, the leading daily fantasy optimizer trusted over by a hundred thousand dfs players you get down with OddShark, barry
1: sorry you cut off
0: there can you ask that again i said do you get down with odd shark because i think it's one of the most the one of the best tools out there for long-term record keeping um that many people may not realize have you um checked out kind of their stuff over there
1: dude i'm gonna be totally honest I'm so new to like this whole industry and I've done so much on my own for the last three years. I learn about a new thing like this every day. So I'm sorry if it sounds ignorant, but I've never checked it out.
0: I think it, it, OddTracker is one of the greatest companies out there because basically they take the long-term market perspective. They don't, it's not necessarily a picks somewhere that is picks providing, um, but they keep every, you know, if you want to know how a pitcher did any pitcher in baseball, for the first five inning first five innings under first five innings money line run line they keep track of all that stuff it's just a huge database um, oh, cool. so it's it's one of the best things out there but let's um let's flip over to football man so you talked about kind of what philosophically your um you know the the stance of kind of what the model does when it comes to baseball and then you just said that each model is kind of different when it comes to different sports what are the biggest i guess we will We'll group NFL and NCAA together a little bit, um, but just talk football as a whole and kind of the biggest uh, differences when it comes to college football, NFL, and baseball.
1: So I actually, I probably didn't do a good job of explaining baseball. At at a really high level, baseball is just, um, the way I do it and the way like Joe Pita describes and trained bases is a baseball team really can be good at two things, run production and run prevention and that's really all that matters if you can come up with a good way for projecting that for every team you're probably going to be pretty good um in football that's true to an extent right you want to produce points and you want to prevent points but there's way more added layers of complexities with personnel and scheme that don't really exist in baseball because in baseball like every batter is always trying to get on base and every pitcher is always trying to get them out like there's only so much stylistic differences you can account for in baseball. Um, In football, there's a lot of, I guess, like matchup advantages. And also just like the way the game is played, play after play after play and drive after drive is pretty unique compared to baseball. So the way I do football is similar to like a lot of more modern stuff with football outsiders um, or other people who look at like play success and drive success is it comes up with basically some way to rate the efficiencies of a team's offense, defense, and special teams. Um, I do that by like going through the play by play data for every game. And it, it basically assigns for anyone familiar with leverage index Mm -hmm. uh, from baseball. It basically creates its own version of that for football and it can then value like how impressive the outcome of a certain play was. So Classic example is like a, a two yard run on third and one in a tied game late in the game against a really good team. is really impressive compared to a two yard run on mm-hmm. like first and 15 yep. in the, like the end of a blowout against a bad defense shouldn't really be counted for a team. Yeah. It
0: kind of digs into the the thought process behind DVOA and measuring when things yeah. are actually successful. Exactly. I, like the, the high level point there is it just tries
1: to account for context. Mm-hmm. Um, So that's not too far off from what I assume a lot of people do. Yep. Where I get probably a little bit more differentiated is I actually have a little bit similar to baseball is a player projection system for all players. And in football, it's way harder to get like the granularity there is in baseball. And so instead of coming up with like a point value for a player down to like 0.01 points, it's basically just trying to group players into clusters of four tiers pretty much which is like elite players that really move the line um good players who move it like not zero but uh, not ton mm-hmm. players who are pretty much like meaningless and then players who are negative and there's not too many of those but basically it, it just tries to bucket players into those nathan and peter and <laughs> he's in his own fifth bucket <laughs>
0: after uh,
1: really bad um but yeah, so I have some accounting for who's on the field. Um, one other thing I do that's I think unique, as far as I can tell, is based on who it favors, just off of the pure efficiency ratings and the players available. It will then adjust for kind of like an an expected game script. So, like a classic example is Army or Navy. Um, <laughs> yes. If you're unfamiliar, teams that are good at running the ball. Yes. Typically, when they're favored, they're Rushing advantage over the other team is typically an underpriced asset because if the game's going to be expected to have them in the lead, them being able to run the ball and ice the game late is more meaningful than if they were an underdog, Mm -hmm. um, where it would actually hurt them because they're so bad at passing. If they're going to be expected to come from behind, it'll be more difficult for them. And so, none of that's huge because, again, it's volatile. We don't know how the game's going to go, but there's a a little bit of pricing in there, and I think that makes a good amount of difference. So, um, those are sort of like a few of the higher level principles I have, and there's some other like uh, one thing I do is uh, that I don't do in baseball at all is every home field is different for me, so um, travel uh, distance traveled has has proven to be correlated with performance. So there's a little bit of that, uh, and then each stadium has its own. Uh, like like some NFL stadiums produce a uh, unequal amount of procedural penalties by the opponent, so. That's so next, uh, next As level, you might I guess, like it. like like Seattle and Kansas City, like stadiums like that, um, there's a little bit stronger. Just literally, the stadium is worth a little bit more. Um, so yeah, there's all kinds of things I do. Uh, that's not everything, but those are some like the main points. I feel like probably give me a little bit of value compared to the market.
0: Yeah. And it's again, last week talking about the mailbag episode, one thing that I, you know, I was talking about the differences between basically the old guard and the new guard when it comes to handicappers and handicapping. And so it's, it's kind of an outdated thing that to think, just think that every team gets three points uh, in football for a home field advantage. Um, If you think that, you know, a, it's called the chargers at 10 AM and, you know, LSU at home at night is the same home field advantage. um, I I think you're crazy. And so that it's kind of, It's something that's, you know, I think a lot more people take into account different home field advantages now, um, especially, you know, at night. And I think it's far more prevalent um, in college football when it comes to um, the National Football League, uh, for sure. I think one thing I I actually kind of buried the lead here with you, and I really wanted to uh, um, put this in here is kind of the success that you've been able to have when it comes to football this year and looking at this college football, currently 20 on the season, 24, 10 and one at 70.6%. NFL against the spread 16, 10 and four, 61 and a half percent overall ATS 40, 20 and five at 66.7%. And so, you know, I think that the quote unquote trolls or detractors out there are going to say it's a, it's a short term sample size. Um, You know, you're due for regression. And all that type of stuff that trolls are notoriously, uh, for saying <laughs> out there, um, you know, when you have this level of success, I think that it may be. I'm afraid to expect, you know, regression in some form, just because I think seven, hitting 70% in college football is extremely difficult over a season. Um, but when you do this, do you adjust for kind of, you know, obviously you're finding inefficiencies in the market, right? You're finding a solid edge, especially in college football at 70%. And again, NFL still at 61%. Do you kind of, you know, make this a running thing when you look at and say, you know, there's specific situations that this model is just absolutely killing and getting right. Um, and when you look at, you know, those 10 losses, for example, you look and look back and kind of see um, what the model didn't account for or was it just a mm-hmm. fluke or what that type of situation was kind of looking next level at the wins and losses both in the nfl and college football
1: sure so i guess a couple things for full transparency i i haven't placed a single bet on the nfl this year those are just my top five uh model disagreements each week mm-hmm. if you had bet them that those would be what the results are um and so because like i'm way more plugged into college i i'm, I'm gonna stick to just talking about that uh, about your question about sustainability yep um not to be a douche but those are again just the results of the top five so of games that have actually crossed my betting threshold uh they're actually 53 and 22
0: Unbelievable. Uh, which I, I think
1: is like the same same win rate close to it's like 71 percent, but it's just expanded over a larger sample mm-hmm. um shockingly and this will come across as so arrogant, but like there's not a ton of statistical explanation for regression. It, I analyze every game basically as how should I say, it? like if the game were played again one week from then with the exact same players, would the model still bet on that team? And a lot of the losses actually fit in that category. So um, it's actually still like and that's not to say like all the losses are bad beats of course they're not and a lot of the wins i'm sure have been lucky wins mm-hmm. it it's just to say that it's um it's calculating when there is an edge for a team to cover and i have high disagreements there and over like 70 something games now it's done really well um it's it's possible. I think one cause for this might be something I changed a little bit this year, which was making red zone efficiencies on offense and defense um more meaningful. So basically, like it wasn't expecting that to be completely random before, but it, it was probably expecting that to be way more luck based than skill based. Mm-hmm. And this year there was a little bit of evidence that showed me that. Uh, while it's not like completely luck free, that there is like a little bit of uh, predictive nature to that actually being a skill, and so that that could be something. Is I think a lot of the teams I've been on this year have done really well at scoring touchdowns in the red zone and preventing touchdowns. Yep. Um,
0: threes and the sevens and vice versa. You know, case in point being yeah. Atlanta and the Saints. Those yeah, types exactly. of games. Yeah. What's the biggest difference that you found in the model? When I don't know again, not to have to you give away kind of what the model does, but the biggest differences when it comes to college uh, versus the NFL in terms of different things that um, you know, just differences that you know, one applies more to one or less than the one uh, towards the other when it comes to NFL and college football.
1: Um, well, if anything is if like, it's not if it's yeah, nothing then. So first off, freshmen and like grad transfers and stuff for sure is like really weird. Um, they're really difficult for me to price, and so the way I do it which I don't think is perfect is basically it calculates a like consensus number on every freshman recruiting class based on literally like ESPN rivals, like all these people. And so, yes, I'm trusting like some quote unquote expert, it's like subjective opinion about some 18 year old, which, um uh, whatever. And, and that's, that's like totally volatile. And, um, uh, not at all perfect, and I would love to have a better way to do it, but there's really no better way and um frankly these these ratings actually aren't terrible, like people will always point out like, oh, like Khalil Mack was a two star in high school. these idiots got him wrong well, yeah, but they they actually do fairly well year after year in projecting performance in college and even guys making it to the pros as well as you could honestly reasonably expect um and so. Yeah, I I do that. And when there is like a higher level of freshman production on a team, the volatility in my football models goes up. And so not to go on too much of an early tangent, but basically in football, unlike baseball, where I'm calculating the probability of a team winning in football, I'm creating a probability distribution of winning margins for a team. And so the... Um, like standard deviation or like how far thinly spread the distribution is would change if there's a lot of freshmen or not a lot of freshmen. So that, that's like one college difference.
0: For sure. What, um, so I, I've been asking this basically to every every guest I have on when I talk about kind of what my thesis statement has been in the NFL going back about three years, uh, and that's my theory that the spread is dead. The spread is dying, and I feel like the old school, um, you know, quote unquote power ranking guys um, are are struggling because they they don't adapt. Um, and so, was um, I guess number one, are you, have you seen kind of what I've put out there uh, regarding the spread being dead in the NFL?
1: Are you talking about like just betting money lines for underdogs and uh, laying points for favorites?
0: Yeah, so basically over the last three to four years, um, when a favorite wins, they cover the game 85% of the time. When an underdog covers, they win the game outright 81% of the time. Over the last three to four years, the spread has mattered two games or less every single week, and there was a couple outliers where it was three to four games, Um, but basically... Again, even expanding this out to the, towards this year, the spread has mattered two games or less. I think this this week was three, um, depending on where a couple of closing numbers were. Um, but basically, every single week in the NFL, the spread has mattered two games, two to three games or less. Um, is it something that you've kind of even noticed? And again, what speaking of this, you know, basically the thought process is: um, there's two games a week that the spread's going to come into account. So instead of teasing games, um, you know, you can use the money line, like you said, on underdogs to reduce your break-even point. Um, it's just basically saying that. You know, the thought process that I came up with is basically the parity is kind of a little bit less in the NFL. The other thing that comes into play is that the NFL, the the winning margin, the average winning margin in the NFL over the last four years is basically 11 points, yet you're seeing very, very few, you know, 10 and above points. uh, points spread underdogs or favorites in the NFL. And so the really, the good teams are really good. The bad teams are really bad. And so basically the way that I, you know, in short handicap games is basically I handicap every single game as a pick. Um, and if I, you know, I have a key number that I essentially will lay or take if it's above that, you know, I take the money line on the underdog, that type of thing in that type of situation. Um, is there anything that's kind of, um, you've come across or kind of agree, disagree with that? Um,
1: I think the high level theory of, like quote unquote selling points or in baseball selling runs, which this is not the exact question you asked, but it's something I totally love, which is like, it sounds like if you have value on an underdog, theoretically, right? Like if it's a small underdog to be bettable, then you're expecting them to win. And so there's more than likely going to be greater value on the money line there than the spread, which I I totally, I dig, I agree with. Um, And that's something I do in baseball. Like if I'm projecting value on a team, then I'm, I'm projecting them probably to win by more runs than the markets expecting them to. And so like, I'll actually sell quote unquote, like sell back runs. So like that mm-hmm. on a team to win by more than one run or football alternative point um, spreads type of stuff. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And so like I do that in football and that's like one of the advantages, I think to having a distribution on every game is cause I can calculate the probability for literally every single point spread or margin or money line, whatever is offered, I can calculate a number for it. Um And so, yeah, a lot of times it is I trade points to get like a better payout, better odds on a number. And um, oftentimes I like move like up towards a key number. So if I want to bet on a favorite minus five, I'll just lay Lay minus six six and and a half. half. Exactly. Yeah, exactly. And get like plus money there. Um, Stuff like that. So, yeah, like I think we're on the same page there.
0: Completely awesome and um so well, again I want to get you out of here so I want we're going to break down basically the um the best bets that you have for the weekend it can be um I basically had Uh, consensus best bet for each um, person on during the season as, as their best one. Um, But I want to give you kind of the floor. Is there anything else you want to talk about as a whole, when it comes to modeling uh, either football um, baseball, and those are the ones that you kind of um, do, but if you're looking to expand out into any other sports or anything uh, you could kind of teach or tell people when it comes to kind of, you know, the beginning stages of creating a model or using one throughout a season.
1: I want to say to please, please don't be discouraged or overwhelmed by Like when I use these fancy words about how mine use like neural networks and perceptron (laughs) algorithms and all this nerdy shit, like you don't need to be as complex as I do. I'm like totally a nerd at heart and I love math. And so I do it this way. But I totally believe you can get good results being way more naive and way more simple. And so like if you've been hesitant at all, you don't need a math degree. You don't need a CS degree. I, I still really encourage you to come up with at least some like naive really basic starting point of a number for a game um and that could literally just be like take net yards per play and like compare them for two teams and use some like multiplier to normalize it towards the points but if that's like literally just like two steps of arithmetic just so you have a starting point and then you can add on and do like handicapping stuff but just i i definitely encourage you um to not be overwhelmed or think you need to be like a hyper nerd to do this. Like there's a tons of ton of ways to do this with like really simple math. Um, Yeah.
0: Awesome, man. So let's do, um, again, I know we're recording this super early in the week. Do you have um, kind of a couple games that your model uh, really looks uh, in either or both uh, NFL or college football, or is it just one or the other right now?
1: I'll stick to college. And I, I do for transparency, I need to make sure to say that We're recording this on a Monday and my model will not update until tomorrow morning. So these could change, but the disagreement is so big right now that I'd be shocked if there's still not value on these teams.
0: All right, so um, let's do this. Let's point out Shine um, a Light on two games that your model absolutely loves, and then if there's one that you like more than the other, we'll release that as the Inside Vegas Consensus Best Bet and kind of just the thought process on what you know, the model looks at, um, that it has such a big disparity between Vegas' line um, and that is leading you to make a bet on these two games for college football.
1: Okay, number one would be Kentucky minus 11 in college football.
0: Tell me, uh, what does the model look at or favor? What's the dif- disagreement there?
1: So this is always a really hard question for me because I don't know. Like I can only guess based on how much football I watch. Okay. Um, like <laughs> to that to that qu- question, the answer is always my model thinks Kentucky's really good and thinks Vanderbilt's awful. <laughs> like that's yeah. always going to be the answer. Um, and it, it thinks those things more so than the market does. Um, I think possibly one thing is Vanderbilt has – for vanderbilt standards won a few more games than potentially they usually do at least at this point in the season um but when you look closer like a lot of them came against not so impressive teams like let me pull up they beat tennessee state um middle tennessee and nevada who are three really bad teams in my model yep. um and a lot of their other losses and even those wins uh project i guess as like slightly fluky not not fluky but um uh, less impressive than the final score indicates right and then when you look at the losses even last week they lost to florida by 10 but <laughs> as someone who bet on florida last week they uh they were sleepwalking the first honestly sleepwalking gives them too much credit they, they had to be <laughs> awake and actively trying to fuck up that bad to uh wow. put, the, put up the performance they did in the first half um and Florida's still covered uh so th- they basically had an overwhelming amount of play success and there's a lot of um, underlying stats, I guess, that suggest Vanderbilt's, you know, still Vanderbilt, even mm-hmm. though they're three and three or three and four, whatever they are. Yep. Um, so if if I had to guess, I would say that that side in my model is more of a Vanderbilt fade than a Kentucky buy. Yep. Though I, I, as a fan of college football, I really do like Kentucky. They have uh, yeah, Benny more Snell than a couple. Yeah, Benny Snell
0: is an absolute baller,
1: man. That's, yeah, that team has the, been absolutely great all year. The best players, that edge rusher, Josh Allen, yep. who does not suck. <laughs> <laughs> So uh, that, that would be the, the first pick.
0: Awesome. What's the second one? Well, this will be the consensus best bet for us, too. Um, let me just make sure.
1: So it's, it's kind of a tie. I'll just give out both. We're okay. giving out a, all kinds of value here on the pod. We got uh, Appalachian State minus 24. And Buffalo, is it plus two right now? It, it makes Buffalo favored by a good amount. So if they're catching any points, Yep,
0: it's Buffalo available. plus two.
1: Okay, Buffalo plus two will be the second one. Um, Yeah, if I had to guess, that one's a little bit more of a bu- buy on Buffalo. Um, and then the App State one, I would guess, is both. It, it's quite. It's been a fan of Appalachian State. It's bet on them two or three times this season. Yeah. And it's bet against UL Lafayette two or three times uh, for like the same reasons. It it looks at play success, so it's looking at. I guess there's one more final high like high-level point about football is um, explosion is way less predictive than efficiency. And so, yes. like, in other words, if you have 320 yards in a game, but it came from four 80-yard touchdowns, <laughs> that's way less predictive than if you had 320 yards in a game but it came from like 32 10 yard gains
0: yeah and uh, so it's hard to quantify this because there's teams that live by that right the Oklahoma's yeah. of the world uh Baylor's you know in, in years past it's kind of like they've built an offense or this is you know it, again talking with different kind of modeling handicappers it's so funny that you said it's been on App State um I know, uh, for whatever reason, there's a couple teams that model based handicappers. They're on a lot of the same sides, despite, you mm-hmm. know, the differences in the model. I think Hawaii is one that's notorious this year. Uh, App State was the other one. But how do you kind of quantify when you talk about explosive plays, um, teams that are built around the explosive play, right? The Oklahoma, um, you know, Baylor, like I said, does that kind of go into it? Um, or is it more just the fact that at the end of the day, uh, even though they're looking for that big play constantly, uh, so in theory, obviously, there's going to be more of them. Um, mm-hmm. Is that a little bit di- different of a handicapper? when you talk about a team that has, you know, explosive plays, but not consistent. When I
1: say it's less predictive, I don't mean it's not predictive at all. Um, It just will tend to favor itself towards more repeatable, uh, predictable things like an efficient offense. And so um, the big plays count as much as like a really good successful play because it's a successful play. But because the result of a really big 80 yard touchdown is worth so many points and because the result is so impactful on the scoreboard um it sometimes overweights the process of how they got to that result whereas uh like a lot of my research shows that more sustainable offense is repeated um efficient success um, so yeah app state i guess has been really good at that <laughs> i'll be honest i've only watched two of their games, the two team last week. And then I think week one against Penn state were the two times that I bet on them. I, I came away fairly impressed. They got a real quarterback. So there, uh, they will be one of my picks this week.
0: I love it, man. Um, trying to think anything else you want to touch on. I know we spend a little more time on college football. Um, why do you, I guess we'll, uh, kind of lead or end with this. What is the reason that, um, that you're not kind of taking positions based on the NFL, um, what the model is predicting with the NFL, even though it's been so successful.
1: Yeah. Um, so unlike college football, where I've had, a, other than the top five, it's had a ton of success outside of that. NFL, to be transparent, has been uh, pretty bad, other than the five that I've shared every week. Like, I think, I figure it was week two or week three, but the sides of the model went three and 13. I had a couple other, like, fairly bad weeks. And I'm just seeing, it knows, for instance, as is everyone in its like sports analytics, that offense is way more predictive than defense. Um, I fear that the league environment in the NFL has gotten to a point where it's disproportionately more important, like like to this season. Christian, who would you say has like been consistently good at defense? Like, I guess the Ravens.
0: Yeah, I was gonna like, say. Is Baltimore. is there a
1: good defense <laughs> after them? Like uh, the Vikings, even who Jacksonville, I were allowing kind of old been, like,
0: yeah, Jacksonville allowing yeah, exactly. thirty one to to Dak against Prescott, Lindham, yeah, the clapper.
1: 40. Yeah, and I mean, it's, uh, ugh it's scary to me how, how much I think my model weights defense versus how much my eyes are telling me how little it matters this season, at least so far. And maybe it's a blip in time. Um, again, I just, I've said this before, <laughs> even though, um, this is kind of like one of the main sources of income, I'm actually very risk averse. And so I, uh, if I have any inkling to believe that my NFL model is not as effective as it has been the last three years, then I'm going to stay away. Yep. So that's yep. like the main reason.
0: I love it, man. Um, again, again, Weekly newsletter where you could find all the plays, all the selections from the model is on com. Free to sign up. Absolutely free content, man. Um, you're doing so many so many great things um, in the space as well as the Sports Thoughts podcast with Jerry. Is there anything else that I can um, – I want to give you the floor to plug kind of anything and everything where people can find you. Again, as always, on Twitter, at BarryHorse29. But, um, again, I want to give you the floor to kind of plug everything and everything you have going on in the space because you're doing such an amazing job with everything that you are doing.
1: You did it all for me, homie. I'll just <laughs> say uh, – do me a favor and if you're listening to this and if you're so lucky to have them around still then just call one of your parents for me and tell them hi i love you that that, that's good. what you can do for a favor I don't, I don't need to follow do that for
0: me that is the nicest answer i think i've ever heard <laughs> on any podcast bro i absolutely love it man enjoy houston enjoy the the run that is the houston um astros and being their first hand man so, so cool um again um things coming up with you in vegas so i'm sure we'll meet up at some point bro but again i, I cannot thank you enough for taking the time um again i, I know we're very busy at this time of year with uh major league baseball playoffs ncaa and nfl so i can't thank you enough man we'll link up soon but thank you so much for taking the time bro all
1: right brother you good hey.